You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. We ask this all in all God's people said, Amen. And? Let's get to it. Come on. Now open your Bibles and uh, turn to Luke chapter 11. And uh, Luke chapter 11, we'll be looking at that in just a moment. And, um, and, and I trust that you had a good Thanksgiving weekend. And, um, and, and also, if you don't have a Bible, there's a bit of a ring here. If you guys can kind of get that fixed up, that would be great. Um, there's Bibles over uh, just at the entrance. You can grab one of those if you don't have one. I'd love for you to follow along God's Word. If you don't have a Bible of your own, please take that Bible home uh, with you and allow that to be a gift for you and would it become the most treasured gift in your house. It is the, the mighty word of God. And so I, I trust you had a good Thanksgiving. We were away in Alberta. We were visiting with some of our family. It was great. Had a great time together. But before that weekend started, we had the privilege, the honor of um, being in uh, with a group of folks, a, a number of pastors and myself from the Great Commission Collective, the GCC, the network we're a part of in Edmonton with their new pastor there and um, for their very first vision information night for a potential new work in that city and uh, Kyle Hunter I think there's yeah you see a picture of it there they were in an auditorium that seats uh, 1100 people so they've got room to grow and um, and and just exciting to to see people who are excited to to be part of this mission they had a prayer night this past week then just to meet together and pray and seek God for this new work and their next meeting is Sunday November 7th remember that and we'll we'll put some stuff in the e-news about that Um, we are trusting that Brett is going to go and be part of that evening and share a bit of his journey why he moved his family across Canada from Ontario to Kelowna to be part of a church planting network and um, and so he is going to be there for that night and if you have friends or family members in the Edmonton area let them know and we'll have the details they're still trying to nail down the location for that event it may be there it may not be but uh, but it will be in the Edmonton area and so encourage you to let them know of this new work that is happening. And Lord willing, um, we are hoping to see that, that church launch um, Easter Sunday, if at all possible. And we leave that in the God's hands. And, uh, and we continue to pray here as a church. We continue to pray that, that we too would have opportunities to see churches, more churches planted here in the interior of BC. We are thankful to be part of the Great Commission Collective, this church planting network, and, uh, but we would love to see more churches that are proclaiming and teaching the word of God. Do you believe that? Let's trust and let's believe for that as a church as well. And so we're in this series. We've been in it for the last number of weeks, and, and it is called The Cost the Follow. What does it mean to truly follow Christ? What does it mean to be an all-in follower? Not a part-timer, not, not someone who is like a, a Christian, a nominal Christian by name only, but to be truly in. And so we've been looking at this, and today we are going to be looking at the subject of prayer, that we as God's people would be ready to pray, ready to pray, that prayer would be our lifeline as individuals, as families, as a church, that we would be God-dependent, spirit-empowered people, that we would be families and a church of prayer, our ministry groups, our small groups, whatever it is that we would be a people in a group of prayer that we would be ready to pray in all things for all circumstances, 
that our lives would be devoted not to wimpy, predictable, reactionary, kind of safe kind of prayers, but bold and fervent and ready to go prayer. And, and, uh, and, and we have prayer as one of our distinctives. You'll see it on the screen and you should have gotten one of these cards when you came in, one per, per family. Did you get one of these cards? If you didn't hold up your hand, the ushers will be ready to give you one of these. Take it home, take a number. You can take more of them. We, we have more available on the back tables for you to take. You can hand this out, invite it to people. But if you didn't get one of these, love you to have one of these as just a reminder of our distinctives. And you see our six distinctives that we have as a church. And what do we have? Up there in, in, in the top right-hand corner, fervent prayer. And, and this is something that is, you know, is, is, as well as bold preaching and courageous evangelism and purposeful discipleship, strategic church planting and passionate worship. These are things we get excited about as a church and not just something we have on a card, but something we're pursuing and growing in. But one of the most important distinctives that we have is this fervent prayer. And we're going to dig into that today as we look at this subject of fervent prayer. Oh, that we would see today that God loves he desires, he's just itching, he is just waiting to answer our prayers with his best blessings. That's what he is desiring to do. But let's face it, prayer is one of the most, we hear this, it's one of the most important spiritual, most powerful spiritual disciplines, and yet it is oftentimes the most neglected because of our busyness, our distraction, and a host of other reasons as to why we don't pray. As well, it is the one that is probably the most spiritually opposed when it comes to the spiritual realms. The enemy of our souls, Satan, the enemy of this world, of, 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 of the principality, Satan does not want to see us seeking the Lord in prayer. He wants us to be bored with prayer. He wants us to think that prayer is useless, that we're just not good at it, so why even bother? He wants us um, to, to think that, that, he, that as we pray that nothing will happen, that we'll get more accomplished by getting our hands good and busy and getting you know, involved in things rather than being people of prayer. So oftentimes we think that prayer enhances our abilities, but would prayer be our first priority and ability that God has given us to do? and to be and to, to have in our lives. I've been so challenged by this passage this week and even throughout the day yesterday and, and then even this morning. It's just like it's coming alive, the truth of God's word. And yet, let's face it, it's, it's difficult. And, and the enemy, Satan, he is not afraid of our strategies. He is not afraid of our mission statements. He sees this and he's like, ah, oh, yeah, okay, that's nice. Big deal, you know, whoop-de-doo. You know, you have this. Okay, that's good. And you meet on a Sunday and you're busy and you're full of activities and you have lots of people in groups and you have various things going on. You know, I mean, he, he's not afraid of pastors. He's not afraid of elders. He's not uh, afraid of great theologians. He's not afraid of church leaders. He's not afraid of, of faithful servants who just desire to do anything. But he's not afraid of any of those. But he is terrified by a person, by a group, by a family, by a church of people who in humility and Dependently, expectantly pray according to God's will and pray for God to, 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 to do what only he can do. That is what our God is about. That is what he desires to do. By people who believe that we can't get anything done except by prayer. If we grab hold of this truth today, there's empty chairs here. If we grab hold of this truth here today, there won't be enough chairs in this region of Kelowna and not enough time to run services here at the German-Canadian Harmony Club on a Sunday. 
because there would be so many people coming to faith, so many people broken out of the bondage of sin and struggle and discouragement that's keeping them out there. There would be believers who have given up on church because they think it's irrelevant or they've been hurt by the church and they're going to realize that they need to be part of the body of Christ. There wouldn't be enough chairs. For people whose lives are being arranged by the power of God, who desire to join together in worship of him, there wouldn't be enough chairs if God's people prayed. But sadly, busyness and distraction can mark our lives. So many excuses, so many reasons, even good things, even ministry-related things. The very work that we do here at Hope can become a great distraction to the most important work. And fervent prayer stays only a distinctive on our website or on a card that we hand out to you on a Sunday. Yep, we're about bold prayer. We're about fervent prayer. Whoop-de-doo. Means nothing if we're not doing it. If we're not involved in this. If it's not a growing part of our lives. And in Matthew chapter 21, Jesus declared, my house, my house shall be called a what? A house of, uh, no, of preaching, right? My house should be a house of preaching. That's why you go to church to get a good sermon. No, he, he didn't say that. He, he didn't say that it should be a house of worship. Oh, I just love worship. Yeah, I, it's good. But that's not what Jesus said his house was to be. It wasn't to be a house of teaching. It wasn't to be a, a house of busyness and activity and, 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 and social clique or club or whatever it might be. It's not going to be a house of small groups. No, he says, my house is to be a house of prayer. That's what he called, that's what he desires for his church. And we have so many invitations, so many invitations when it comes to pray. So many in, in, examples and commands in scripture to be a people of prayer. Jesus sets the example. He raised, he, he showed us that, that prayer infused all that he did. If Jesus, the son of God, needed to be a man of prayer and to be seeking his heavenly father, how much more do we need that in our own lives? And prayer infused everything that he did before his ministry began. He spent 40 days in the wilderness seeking his heavenly father praying and fasting before he picked the 12 disciples he spent the night in prayer when was the last time you specifically went out like there's nights where you're not sleeping because you're stressed and you're trying to pray but it's not really going anywhere but you're actually setting aside a night to spend an entire night to prayer jesus son of god i mean in tune with the father still takes a whole night to pick out his 12 disciples and maybe some of it was like really you want me to pick them and so I need to keep praying because I don't know, this is not making sense. Like this is a bunch of losers. And, and well, I doubt he thought that, but maybe he did at times. And, and so he spends a night in prayer. In Mark chapter one, verse 35, it says, early in the morning, when it was still dark, Jesus went out to a desolate place and he prayed. Before his crucifixion, what was he doing in John 17? He was praying. He was praying for his disciples and then he was praying for all believers. In the garden, right before his arrest, what was he doing in Luke 22? He was praying. He prayed, he was there praying, not my will be done, but yours, my heavenly father. On the cross, what was he doing? He was praying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. We see the pattern of the early church was one of prayer, how it was built, how it started and built and sustained and continued to go on through prayer. And yet, we talk about it and yet we rarely do it. All through God's words, we have examples and invitations like in Colossians chapter three, for God's power to be unleashed in our lives, in the lives of others through prayer. We are to pray for our daily needs, but we're also to pray for spiritual breakthroughs. We can pray for chains of sin to be broken. 
We can pray for the lost to be saved, for prodigals to return home. For, we can pray for the sick to be healed. We can pray for our inner deepest longings and desires of the heart. We can pray, and we are to pray in and for all things. We are invited to pray confidently. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us then come, to the, come with confidence and draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And listen to the invitation, the great invitation in Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Israel was heading into a time of exile. They're heading into a time that was unknown to them. And here they were rather confused because God had brought them into this land. The land, the promised land, it was finally theirs. And as years went by, they started drifting and straying away from God. And now they're in exile. And so in Jeremiah 33, they're confused. They're going into a, into a tough and a dark season as a nation. And listen to the invitation from God himself. He says, call to me. And I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. The exile was going to continue on. The dark days would happen, but he's like, I've got you. And I have some things to tell you and to, to share with you. And that you're only going to find and you're only going to gain perspective of it all and find power and strength as you pray. But let's face it, prayer is a struggle. Prayer is a big struggle. We often struggle to pray. Who, 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 who would admit, yeah, it's a struggle to pray. Good, because I was going to call you all liars if you didn't raise your hand, because we all struggle. And even if you're a good prayer right now, you're in a good season, I'm so glad, continue on. But there's going to be the battles and the struggles that will come in the days and the weeks and the months ahead. And so we continue to, to lean into these truths. Oftentimes, prayer becomes that last resort. Or, or, or something we try, we ask God for it, we pray for a while, but then we give up because it just doesn't seem to work or the answer isn't coming, and so we stop. And then we just conclude, well, I'm not a praying person. One of the things that bugs me at times on social media, and, and I get where they're coming from because I know that they have unbelieving friends, but at times people will put a prayer request on and will say, if you're the praying type, please pray for this, and they'll put a prayer request on there, and it's just like, ugh. As believers, we all ought to be the praying type. And yet, there's a lot of truth and reality too because we don't pray. We pray often as a last resort or when we're super desperate rather than it being the life flow of our lives. And yet, let's admit it, prayer is awkward. It's intimidating. It can be embarrassing. We often may feel like we are not good at it. We avoid prayer times or prayer meetings. We don't want to go to a group. We don't want to come to a prayer meeting like we're going to have tonight because it's like people are praying there and there may be that expectation to pray and I'm just not good at it. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel confident on that. First of all, just repent of your pride. Say, oh no, I'm really humble about it. No, it's pride because you're more concerned about what you think than being able to, to talk to God about what is greatly and deeply upon your heart and what, how God leads you to pray. And, and so it can be awkward and difficult and the enemy loves to fill us with insecurity and say, who are you to pray? You're such a loser. You're so sinful. You struggle so much. Why should you even pray? And again, when it comes to corporate prayer, so we pray in our groups or at 8.30 uh, down in the parking lot and in different times we say, yeah, it's not for me. It's not how strong we are or feel, but it's admitting I'm weak, I'm feeble, I struggle. And that's the best way to turn to God in prayer. It's not about flowery and lovely sounding prayers. Remember the, the parable Jesus told in Luke 19 of the Pharisee 
who the Pharisee and the tax collector, the Pharisee prayed this great prayer. Oh, he just knocked it out of the park and he prayed about how in tune he was with God and how dedicated he was and, and so articulate and puffed up with himself. And then you have the tax collector who just cries out, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And what does Jesus say? Only one left that prayer time justified. Only one received a blessing and, and the mercy of the Lord. And it wasn't the Pharisee, it was the tax collector. One was filled with pride and hypocrisy and the other just a humble dependency upon God. That's how we approach him. But sooner or later, we're all gonna hit a wall. And honestly, I think we're kind of smacking into that wall Life has brought us to that point over and over again. And I put this on the online lobby and I think even a little video. This is what life is like for us so, mu so much right now. Yeah, I just run it a few times. I mean, it's just like we're trying to get a breakthrough. We're trying to make sense of everything. You're trying to talk sense to, to, to various people and, and, uh, and it's just not making any sense at all. And, and so oftentimes we can feel like we're hitting this wall. We're trying to maneuver through all that's going on in our strength, in our energy, in wisdom. And, and, and let's face it, we've never been here before. We've never experienced the things that we've gone on with COVID-19 and just all of the fallout in political and medical and, and, and economic and, 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 and relational and, and, and spiritual and just so much concern and deception and division and everything that's going on. Well, Jesus, his own disciples hit a wall. And maybe if you've hit a wall today, that's a good place to be because Jesus and his disciples hit a wall. And when they realized they hit this wall and they came to Jesus, they found out an answer and there was help for them. You see, in Mark chapter 3, uh, we're going to get to our, our real text in a moment here, but this kind of helps set it up because in Mark chapter 3, Jesus appointed his 12 to preach and he gave them authority to drive out demons. And, and how amazing is that? He's like, you guys can go do this. You go and, and you're going to preach preach that the kingdom is coming, that, that Jesus is Messiah, and, and you're going to have authority to, to cast out demons, to heal the sick. But in Mark chapter 9, they come to Jesus about a situation that they just can't get, any, can't get anywhere with. They were hitting the wall. There was this demon-possessed young boy causing, and, and, and the, the demon was causing him to convulse and foam at the mouth, and they weren't able to help him. And, and they were able to do it at other times, and they were able to experience the authority that, that, that was required to bring de deliverance or healing. But here, they were unable to help. They were confused, and so they come to Jesus. Then privately, you see a little bit later in verse 29, and, and, and verse 28, and they say, Jesus, how, how come we couldn't do this? How come we couldn't cast this one out? And, and Jesus later said, and in verse 29, it's so key, and it should be on the screen, and it says, and he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. The kind of evil the disciples were up against was beyond their ability. The evil, I believe, that we are up against today in our lives, even the evil of division and the concern that we have in our families, within the church of Jesus Christ, within our city, our nation, our world, COVID, politics, ideologies, it's way stronger than human reason, than any human ability can, can go in and make any changes or any difference or make any sense of. And so it's leaving us so hopeless and so powerless. And oh, how, how about the battles with temptation that we face, that it's just like hitting a wall with those besetting sins, those struggles, those things we don't want to do, and yet we find ourselves still doing them or saying them or thinking them. And these, these struggles, and, and, and we just feel so depraved at times in the mind. Things we've struggled with at times for decades, perhaps. 
And how about the division and brokenness in our lives right now? All of us have it, I'm sure, with family, in the workplace, in our society, in schools. And no amount, let's face it, no amount of persuasion, reason, biology, stating the facts, common sense, begging, preaching, quoting God's word will make any difference. None of it will. The gods of this age have blinded the eyes of people. And like Jesus said, this kind of evil can only be driven out by prayer. This kind of evil that we're facing, the kind of evil and the struggle and the battles that you face personally, relationally in your marriage, it can only be driven out. Get my wife to a good counselor. That'll smarten her up. Get my husband to admit that, we, that, that he's not perfect. That'll, no. That kind of evil, any kind of evil will come, will, cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And so let's lean into God's word here this morning. Let's learn from Jesus. Let's get ready to pray. And not pray just half-hearted, just boring, predictable prayers. That's so oftentimes what we do. Oh God, keep us safe. I mean, that's good to pray. Our son's going to be driving to Calgary late, right after the service. We'll be praying for his safety. We'll be praying that he stays alert and that all the semi-truck drivers who, anyways, I, enough of those. I was driving on those highways last week. And they, anyways, and sorry to apologize to any semi-truck drivers, but you need to speed up. <laughs> anyways, um, or just get more horsepower in your semi or something like that to go a little faster. Anyways, okay, I digress. but it's to pray powerful prayers, faith-filled prayers. And I trust that in our time together this morning, we would get pushed over the edge in how we pray. And then tonight, we can put it to action at 6 p.m. as we pray at Grace Baptist as we have a room available for us there. I, I hope we fill that room and we need an overflow because of it. As we spend 70 minutes or so together, like, oh, I don't know if I have... No, come, come for a little over an hour. And let's pray together as God's people. And I don't want to guilt or shame you in the area of prayer because we all struggle, but propel and push you in this area of prayer. And, and, and to understand that there's a level of prayer that we very rarely get to, or maybe we've never been, because we've prayed safe, predictable, boring, marginal prayers. In our personal time, in our group time, Oh, would we be a people that would pray bold and fervent prayers. I hope you're ready to pray. Lean into God's word here. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, as we finally get to our text, it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, and here we go, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now, the first thing that we see here in the first four verses is we see a pattern for prayer. We see a pattern of prayer that we can follow. This is known as the Lord's Prayer. And in many ways, it is the disciples' prayer because they were the ones that said, hey, teach us to pray. And so he's like, here's how you ought to pray. And we even recited this a little earlier in the service from Matthew's gospel. And, and that version is slightly different, isn't it? This one's a little more abbreviated. And, and, and the fact that Jesus did not repeat the exact same prayer 
in these two different occasions leads us to, to see that, that this wasn't just to be some ritual, precise, magic formula for prayer where you just say the Lord's Prayer over and over again, day after day. You know, you could probably say it within 12 seconds if you learn it and, and can say it really fast. And there's no magic in just being able to recite it and say it quickly and there, phew, I'm done. But this is a structure, a guideline, a pattern of the kind of heart that we are to approach God with and the things that we are to ask him for in prayer. And we preached on this a, a number of years ago as we were working through the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. And, and so we looked at this passage from, from, from Matthew's gospel and we'll, we'll post those links in the online lobby later on today. And you can have a listen to those if you so desire because we break it down a little further. But let's look at, at Luke's version here and what, what he says. And, and first of all, it says, when you pray, pray like this, Father. And, and that word Father means Daddy. Abba, Father. The word is Abba, which means Daddy. This is our Heavenly Father, Daddy, who loves us and cares for us. He cares deeply, but it goes on and says, Hallowed be your name. And, and this is Daddy, loving Father. But there's a reverence and, and an awe as we approach Him. And, and it's understanding His holiness and, and His greatness and, and, and His majesty. And yet He invites us as a Father into His heart. And so there's this reverence, but there's this love and there's this intimacy and closeness that He desires for us to come to Him in. Your kingdom come, Matthew's gospel continues on, says, Your will be done. This is about seeking and knowing God's will for our lives. And 95% and, and you say, What's God's will? Easy answer to that. The will of God is the word of God. 95% of the word of God or the will of God for your life is found in the word of God. And, and, and we have struggles and battles or we don't know what to ask or pray for. We're going to find it in the word of God. That's why we need to be people of the word. And then there's times then when we need that specific guidance from the Lord. And he provides that for us in various ways. Oh, that our lives and our decisions and our actions, our words would be grounded and based in God's word. Because you can start praying some really crazy things. And sometimes you hear that and that can really not go well. But we are to pray according to God's word. And it goes on, give us each day our daily bread. This is where we get to ask, Daddy, Abba, Father, the God who supplies, who created all things. We get to ask him for the daily provisions from parking spots. It drives Charlotte nuts so oftentimes when we're, drive, when, when we're in traffic and I need to butt in or as she says, cut that person off. I'm like, no, the Lord just opens a way for me all the time. And, and, and I think they're just honking at me because they just say, good one, buddy. That's really good. Sometimes they don't put up that thumb though. And, and uh, you know, or a parking spot. It's, you know, here at church, we tell people if you're young or need to stay in shape, um, or should stay, get in shape, park a little further away, allow others to come and park a little closer. Well, at Walmart or at the grocery store, wherever we might go, we always look for the closest spot. When you go to the farmer's market every Saturday, I choose oftentimes just a place. I'm like, the Lord will just open up a parking spot, you know, and oftentimes he does. And again, she just shakes her head and how, I mean, we can pray even for the little things. Well, maybe not parking spots like that, but we can pray for his safety and his protection. We pray for our daily needs. We pray for exams that they would go well that we'd remember what we learned and studied. Don't be praying if you didn't learn and you didn't study, then that's just, you know, uh, not right or fair for anyone because it's like, I'm not helping on that one. But we pray for jobs. We pray for our finances. We pray for our kids. We pray for relationships. God wants us to bring all things to him. He cares. He loves us. He wants to hear our hearts. 
But then look at it, it goes on, and forgive us our sins as we forgive others. This is about keeping short accounts with God and with others because unconfessed sin between us and God or between me and other people, it's going to affect my life. It's going to rot me if there's unforgiveness and bitterness in my life, and it's going to rot those around me as well. And if there's a distance, if there's unconfessed sin between me and God, then, then, then my prayers are hindered with him. And so it's confessing and repenting of our sin, making war on that. And so sadly, so many of God's people are in bondage in this area of unconfessed sin or unwilling to forgive others. The prayer ends with, and lead us not into temptation. God, help me. Help me to remain strong. Help me to resist the temptation and the struggles and the attacks of the evil one. And I, I, I'm excited in November, Lord willing, maybe even starting October 31st, we're going to look at the armor of God and praying and putting on that spiritual armor on because the only way we can fight and we can stand strong is with the armor of God. And so here we have this pattern to pray. And, and this prayer, you can take this or the uh, Matthew's version of it, and you can pray it and walk through it as a pattern in your daily prayer time. It might take you three minutes to do it, or you could spend a lot of time. You could spend 30, 40 minutes when you're just, hallowed be your name. And just spending time in adoration and thanksgiving and praise of God. You can get stuck there for a long time and working through that prayer. And so it can take you three minutes, it could take you 30 minutes, it could take you longer. But oftentimes we stop there. Let's press on and we see the persistence that we're to have in prayer. And Jesus tells this parable to his disciples, and he tells this parable to us here today. In verse 5, and it says, And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are in my bed, are, are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, yet, so even as a friend, he's not willing to do this, yet because of his impudence, underline that in your Bibles, because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So here's a guy, shows up at his buddy's house. He heads on across the street over to his good old neighbor, his pal. And uh, it's midnight, but he's had some unexpected guests arrive, and he's like, kids ate all the bread. And so we got to go get some. And, and, and I know that neighbor's wife was baking some bread, and so, you know, so all the stores are closed. There's no place to go. So he's banging on the, his neighbor's door to get some bread. And, it, and his neighbor, in return, is like, no way, go away. I'm not getting up. In these days, oftentimes the entire family slept in the same bedroom. We finally got the kids asleep. You need this rest. I'm not getting up. Parents of young children, you can relate to this hugely, right? Shh, shh, quiet. Kids are sleeping, finally. Our son, Nate. There's a reason why there's that $20 in the vehicle today for you. We had this thing that whenever we use our kids in sermon illustrations, always give them five bucks after. So I paid him off in advance. Our son, Nate, I mean, he, had, he, he was just a lousy sleeper. He just, I mean, uh, I mean, he had the hardest time falling asleep at night. We would pray with him. And we would assure him that everything was okay, that we're in the next room or we're just in the living room. 
We'd lay in bed with him. I mean, it was, um, we'd lay on the floor beside him because getting up out of the bed would often wake him and that. And, and even there's times we'd be laying on the floor, either Charlotte or myself, and your back would get all, you'd sometimes fall asleep on the floor there. And then you just slowly, like, okay, I think he's sleeping. And you get up and your knees kind of crack a little bit. And all of a sudden you hear this, good night, dad. <laughs> Love you. And you know you have to lay back down there because there's no way, because he's going to be back in your room in no time. I mean, and this went on for years, like till last year, right? No, no. <laughs> it wasn't quite that bad. We often say he's the reason why we stopped it too. Um, <laughs> no, he's the sweetest kid. <laughs> Probably another 20, hey? <laughs> but sleeping children are the sweetest children. And you know what? God, he wants to give his kids rest. We can be so bound up and so worried and so concerned. He's a loving father who just wants to give us rest. So here in this story, we have this dad just wanting his kids. He's wanting, he and the wife, they just want some sleep. And so he's like, too bad, so sad, you're out of luck. No bread for you. <laughs> Go somewhere else. But here's an important truth about our prayer, and underline this in your word. Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Impudence. We need to be people with impudence. We need to, prayer, to pray with impudence. This isn't Melden telling us, this is Jesus telling us this. Impudence means persistence, boldness, shamelessness, sheer nerve, brazen insistence. And this guy realizes he's not going away. He's not going away. Fine, I'll get up and I'll give him something here. And Jesus is telling us this is how we are to pray with impudence. Not as a bunch of, I won't say. Not as a bunch of wimps. And Jesus, you know, in some ways, I kind of likened it. I kind of laughed a little bit. And sorry if you're American. But I was thinking, you know what? Maybe we need to be a little bit more American when it comes to prayer. Because we as Canadians, we're, so, we're really polite, right? Uh, oftentimes. And you, know, you get, get a few who maybe aren't. But, you know, we're just so, oh, okay. That's no problem. We just back off. Where Americans can oftentimes, it seems, or people from Ontario, um, um, just, they can just seem kind of pushy at times and just kind of like, oh, and it's just, oh, I'd never be like that. I remember spending uh, four months in Chicago and it was like, oh man, like this is a different culture. We're so nice oftentimes in Canada. And Americans, they see, and I believe this gives us the right to get a little more American, maybe. Not that I'm going to put up a flag or anything like that, but it's just like, let's, Let's grab hold of things. Let's not be so easily just kind of denied. We need to press on in prayer, in our persistence. He wants to answer. And, and you know, our God, he's not put off by bold praying. In fact, he loves it. And nor is God reluctant to answer. And, and it's not like he needs to be persuaded. No, our persistence, the reason why we persist in prayer is because it's developing in, in us a heart and a passion for what God wants. 
He's like, let's get to it. Look at verse 9, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open. And so he's like, ask. I need some bread. Seek. I know you're in there. I know you're in there. You're not sleeping. And then you knock and you knock and you knock. That's what he's telling us to do. Don't stop. With impudence, we are to do this. Verse 11, what father among you, if a son asks, if a son asks for fish, will instead of a fish, you give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? I mean, what father will do that? A father's love to give gifts to their children and to provide and to care. And he goes on, if you then who are evil, and he's like, oh, Okay, so, yeah, let's face it, we're evil. Some of you more than others, but, I mean, we're all evil. Jesus is saying that if you who are evil, we're all broken, we're all fallen. Our love isn't perfect. We're not always going to get it right as fathers, as dads. So you who are evil, love, he, he goes on to say, you who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You see, God is not like the neighbor in the parable. He's not asleep, nor is he irritated or grumpy. And he never says, don't bother me. Our friendships here on earth even, they have certain limits. I've had good friends. I have good friends in my life. And, and, and yet I know there's certain things I wouldn't ask for that friend to do, especially at certain hours of the day or whatever it might be. Our friendships on earth have certain limits. And as parents, we even have a deeper love and limit for our kids. But God's love... It has no limits, no limits at all whatsoever. He's not sleeping. No, he's waiting. He's waiting for us to drop by. And when we come and we start knocking, he is more than happy to open that door and to hear us. He's not put off by bold praying. He loves it. Matthew Henry, the great commentator, he said this, we prevail or we get our way with people by our impudence because they are displeased with us. But we prevail with God by our impudence because he is pleased with us. <laughs> Let's face it, so many of our prayers, they're so safe, they're so about predictable outcomes that oftentimes we just can manage or maneuver ourselves. So why even pray? Again, for the parking spot, for the test to go well, you study, you should do well. We pray to get the job. We pray good things, and, and we are to pray for all things. I've already said that. But I wonder if God at times is even, if he at times gets bored with our prayers. How about we pray God-sized prayers with impudence? Hebrews 4.16 said this already. We are to approach the throne of grace. We are to approach God with confidence. And you know, loved ones, listen up. Like in this parable, I believe it is the midnight of many of our lives. It is the midnight of our society. It's the middle of the night for this old, tired world. And we need the Lord more than ever before. We need his bread. We need his help. We need his comfort. We need his strength. We need from him that only what he can provide in our marriages, in our families, in our health, in our finances, our government, our politics, the virus, all of these things. And God desires to answer our prayers with his best blessings. 
but are we willing to grab hold of it and pray with impudence? It's persistence in prayer, not flowery words, not getting it all sounding right. It's one of the shortest prayers that we have written in the Bible. Is Peter when he was drowning. And what did he call? Oh, gracious God and Heavenly Father, please come to me now in, in my greatest hour of need. No, he's like, Lord, save me. And how many of us need in our time of need just say, Lord, help me. Lord, save me. Lord, deliver me. Lord, deliver my, my children from the enemy. Lord, deliver me from this past area of sin and struggle, this addiction, this problem, this persistency in prayer. Lord, help me. Lord, save me. What are you drowning in today? What area of sin, addiction, fear, porn, anger, bitterness, cynicism? Maybe you're drowning in greed and covetousness. You just want what other people have. You're not satisfied. Maybe you're drowning in unbelief. Oh, Lord, help my unbelief. What if we grabbed hold of this truth today as individuals, as a church, and we prayed with impudence this week? We pray with impudence tonight as we gather. Are we ready to pray? Are we ready to disrupt the status quo, the easy, the manageable, and press into the supernatural and the blessings that God has? In the name of Jesus, we pray. We pray according to the word of God. And tonight, a big part of our time is praying according to God's will. And we're going to have a list of things we're going to pray through. And, and it's not just pie in the sky, this and that. It's praying according to God's word. We see a biblical precedence to pray for these things. And so we're going to pray, and I trust that you're going to pray this week. And for the rest of your lives, for lost to be saved, name them by name. For prodigals to return home. They once were living for Christ, and now they're running far from him. We pray for the sick to be healed, for relationships and marriages to be restored, for addictions to be defeated in the name of Jesus, for unbelief to change to a calm assurance of our salvation or a calm assurance of who we are in Christ or the fear being replaced with a trust and a peace, or, or the bitter wounds that we've been carrying and holding on to, that they would be healed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We pray for God's provision in our lives, for our finances, for wombs to be opened, for those who are longing to hold a child in their arm, that God would, would, would provide that for them. We pray for the paperwork to go through. We pray for wisdom to navigate these unprecedented days. That's how we should be praying and what we should be praying for and so much more than that. Let's take it up a notch in our prayers. Our nation is going insane, absolutely insane. Our world is going insane. And the only way it can and will change is through better government. <laughs> oh, you're cynics, aren't you? No, you're right. You should laugh. It's only going to change through prayer. Praying for po political, provincial, world leaders. We pray. What if we prayed for the Spirit of God to haunt and to bother Biden and Trudeau and Horgan and Scott Moe and Harris and, and the Taliban leaders and, and various other world leaders, provincial leaders, local leaders. Ask the Spirit of God to go in to work in their lives and the Spirit of God to disrupt them. And perhaps disunify them where needed. And, 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 and pray that the demonic hold 
that is on so many that their eyes would be open to see what's really going on. We pray that for ourselves too. Oh, and as we pray, would we see and remember and recall how good and how patient and how loving God has been to us as we too were once lost and we've been found or perhaps we too we do repeatedly fall and fail in areas of our lives and would God grant us his mercy and grace once again. Folks, it's midnight and God loves to answer our prayers with his best blessings. And we get to see what that next blessing is. Look at verse 13, the most powerful prayer. Write that down, the most powerful prayer. Here it is. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, so God wants to give us good things, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? That's the best prayer. Nothing will change in this messed up world, in our families, in our lives, in our churches, without the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings conviction of sin. The Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit is the seal in the lives of believers. The Holy Spirit fills us and empowers us with the strength that only God can provide. The Holy Spirit will pray and intercede for us when we don't know what to pray. The Holy Spirit guides our lives and reminds us of truths from God's word at the moment that we need it. We'll say, this is the way, walk in it. The Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts to believers. The Holy Spirit sanctifies, purifies us, enables us to overcome sin and bear spiritual fruit. There's so much more that the Holy Spirit will do. No evil power can withstand the power of the Holy Spirit. Think of the Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. And God showed up in his life. And the Holy Spirit power comes and is only available as we pray. And Jesus says, ask. Just ask for it. Ask for him. Ask for the third person of the Trinity to save you if you are lost, to understand the gospel, to open your eyes, to convict of sin, to work in our world, to work in our families. The Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. I couldn't help but dream. What if this little church in Kelowna, British Columbia took this seriously and we began to pray with impudence for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our church, in our region, in our nation with all his power, with all of his fullness. Can you imagine Kelowna and the central Okanagan so visited by God that our worst traffic jams, and we've had a lot of those, and especially on that new Costco area that's not even open yet, and all of these things that we've, uh, tra what if the worst traffic jams, it, it can drive me nuts when people say, oh, I have no problem getting to church on a Sunday morning, I can just zip there, no traffic. What if the greatest traffic jams were on Sunday morning because so many people were desiring to get to church and to worship Jesus, and we didn't have to worry about what kind of church they were going to because we all knew that revival power ministered and has brought truth and teaching to every pulpit in this city. Oh, that our lives, our church, 
could become a megaphone about the glory of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. I can preach and preach until my voice gives out and my heart conks out. It's not going to mean anything unless it is infused and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Do we have the nerve? Do we have the faith? Do we have the impudence to ask God for his very best? To ask for his spirit, to ask for Jesus to flow and to flood our lives in a new and a fresh and a deeper way. Let's put prayer, prayer with impudence back at the center of our church, of our lives and see what God will do. Oh God, even now I pray that we just wouldn't be stirred with hearing your word today and then not change. Would we be so discontent? Have a holy discontent that we would be stirred to more of you. We're so sick of the status quo. We see where our own pursuits have led us into more emptiness, into more pursuits and more emptiness. That we would see that the only life, the only power, we can talk reason, we can talk with people about the gospel, we can talk to them about various things and it just seems not to be, be penetrating into their lives, but God, us filled with a fresh blessing of your spirit and praying that your spirit would work in their lives and we pray with impudence that we would be used of God that the blind eyes would be open the hard hearts would be softened that your spirit would work oh God would we say you are my God earnestly I seek you my soul thirsts for you my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water God, would our souls cling to you even now as we worship and as we declare, oh, we need you. We need you. We need you, God. Meet us here today. And today, the front is open. If you want to come and just spend some time in prayer and just saying, I need God to work in my, way, in my life, in whatever I'm facing in a new, in a fresh way. And, and you want to nail it home by just coming and spending some time if you're to be happy to pray with you. But more than that, you pray your heavenly father, that he would work in you in a new and a mighty way by his Holy Spirit. Let's worship together. Let's stand.